Good day and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the ACI Q1 earnings announcement. At this time, all participants' lines are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. Thank you. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Mr. John Kraft. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Today's call, like all of our events, is subject to both safe harbor and forward-looking statements. You can find the full text of both statements on the first and final pages of our presentation deck today, a copy of which is available on our website as well as with the SEC. On this morning's call is Ojulon Almeida, our President and CEO, and Scott Behrens, our CFO. With that, I'd like to turn the call over to Ojulon. Thank you, John. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining our first quarter 2021 earnings conference call. When we last spoke in February, we discussed our strong Q4 results and that our three-pillar strategy was progressing and already making the difference. Today, I'm happy to report another strong quarter with results coming in above our expectations. Let me start by providing some color on our financial results. As expected, and unlike Q1 last year, Q1 this year was impacted by COVID-19-related headwinds. Despite of these headwinds, we were very pleased with our results and execution against our three-pillar strategic plan. Our Q1 revenue of $285 million was down slightly versus previous year, but came in above our forecasted guidance range. Importantly, our recurring revenue grew 1%. Adjusted BDDA in the quarter was $45 million, up 19%, which was also above the high end of our guidance. Our net adjusted BDDA margin was 23%, which, despite the revenue reduction, was up 400 base points from last year as we remain focused on cost management and profitability. For the full year, we are reaffirming our guidance and, as previously discussed, we expect to reach the Rule 40 this year for the first time ever. We had some exciting new wins in the quarter across all segments. Of note, we are pleased to sign a new speed pay deal with Cascade Financial, a home loan finance company, which will allow Cascade's customers to benefit from more ways to pay their mortgage, including via mobile wallet using our Walletron application. We are also increasing our focus on securing wins with large, sophisticated, and global merchants. In the quarter, we signed a new deal with Red Lobster to consolidate their payment infrastructure to one vendor for both their in-store and e-commerce businesses, creating a seamless payment experience across all channels. We also signed a notable contract with a Middle Eastern payments facilitator for our omnichannel commerce solution. In Europe, we signed an acquire agnostic e-commerce contract with a new UK-based payment service provider. In the banking sector, we signed a new real-time contract with STAT, the largest ACH processor in France, as well as an expansionary contract with Union Bank of India. Importantly, we are hearing positive feedback from our customers that we affirm the benefit of our new fit-for-growth organizational structure, which has allowed for faster decision-making and increase the responsiveness. 
While we anticipate headwinds resulting from COVID-related delays to continue through Q2, our strong first quarter results reaffirm my confidence in our business. As we progress on our strategy amid an improving economic outlook, we anticipate a strong second-half performance. In addition to organic value creation, we continue to make progress on a complete strategic review of our business portfolio to enhance ACI's growth profile and maximize long-term value to our shareholders. With that, I will turn it over to Scott to discuss the financials. Scott? Thanks, Ojalan, and good morning, everyone. I first plan to go through our financial results for Q1 and then provide some additional commentary regarding our outlook for the rest of 2021. We'll then open the line for questions. As we discussed at our analyst day last November, we are introducing a new bookings metric that we hope will be easier for investors to interpret and be more helpful in allowing you all to compare our results on an apples-to-apples basis and model the financial impact going forward. The metric also more closely aligns us with industry standards and peer practices, and importantly, the metric better aligns with our focus on growing recurring revenue. As you know, driving recurring revenue is one of our strategic priorities. The bookings metric is called annual recurring revenue, or ARR, from new sales, and it's defined as the annual revenue expected to be generated from new bookings in the quarter. So new accounts, new applications, and add-on sale contracts signed in the quarter. In Q1 2021, ARR was $10 million, which is down compared to Q1 last year, as last year's ARR bookings were unaffected by COVID-19. The COVID-19-related headwinds really started hitting us in Q2 last year, so while Q1 was a tough comparison this year, comparison should ease up going forward. Recurring revenue was up 1% to $246 million, while total revenue came in at $285 million, which was down 2% from Q1 in 2020, again due to the tougher COVID-related comparisons. We saw strong growth in adjusted EBITDA in the quarter, which increased 19% to $45 million compared to $38 million in Q1 2020. Our net adjusted EBITDA margin increased to 23% in the quarter compared to 19% in Q1 2020, as you see the year-over-year benefits of our cost reduction initiatives as we continue to focus on profitability and drive towards achieving the rule of 40. Also new going forward will be the reporting of our operating segment which we believe provides increased transparency to our analysts and investors. We are going to report revenue and adjusted EBITDA separately for each of our three target markets of merchants, billers, and banks. This aligns us closer to how we manage our operations and differs from the previous delivery-based reporting segments of on-premise and on-demand. In Q1, our merchant segment revenue grew 22% to $39 million, and merchant segment adjusted EBITDA more than doubled increasing 129%. In our biller segment, revenue declined 2% to $151 million, while biller segment adjusted EBITDA actually increased 13%. Our bank segment, which continues to be hardest hit by the COVID pandemic, revenue decreased 9% to $96 million, while bank segment adjusted EBITDA decreased 12%. We also saw strong cash flow from operations, which were up 22% to $70 million. ACI ended the quarter with $185 million in cash on hand and $459 million available on our credit facility. We paid down $25 million in debt in the quarter, and we ended the quarter with $1.1 billion of debt, 
representing a net debt leverage ratio of 2.6 times. Turning to our outlook for the rest of 2021, we expect COVID-19 related headwinds to persist through the first half of the year and for growth to accelerate to the mid-single digits in the second half of the year. For the full year 2021, we continue to expect adjusted EBITDA to be in a range of $375 million to $385 million. I will add here that we are comfortable with where full-year street consensus for revenue and EBITDA are lining up. And finally, for Q2, we expect revenue to be in a range of $295 to $305 million and adjusted EBITDA in a range of $50 to $60 million. With that, I will now pass it over to Ojalan for some closing comments. Thanks, Scott. In closing, we are pleased with the company's performance in the first quarter as ACI's focus on execution continues to pay off. We look forward to accelerating our momentum during the second half of 2021 as we continue ramping our strategy and as the economic outlook improves. This will enable us to achieve the rule of 40 for the first year ever. We remain confident that we will deliver transformational long-term value to our shareholders. With that, operator, we are ready to open the line for questions. Thank you. And as a reminder to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. And to make sure that we accommodate all participants asking questions, please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Again, to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone. We will pause for a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Mayan Tadon from Needham. Your line is open. Hey, good morning. This is actually uh, Kyle Peterson on from Mayank. Uh, thanks for taking the questions. Um, just want to see if I can get an update on, um, you know, real-time payments. It seems that, you know, there's been some pretty healthy growth in the market um, during the pandemic. How, how should we think about when, you know, some of that in- increased interest and adoption um, should start to show up um, in the P&L and how we should think about that moving forward? Yeah, hey, Kyle, this is Scott. Um, well, yeah, a lot of the uh, implementations that we've sold uh, over the last, call it 18 months or so, are, are still in the implementation process. Uh, we've sold them with what I'd call kind of a low-capacity uh, commitment. Um, so the, the key is, I guess, the question you're asking is when do we start to see, you know, critical mass in terms of adoption uh, of those volumes um, you know, we, I, I don't think we can predict when that uh, when that uh, critical mass is going uh, to happen. Uh, but when it does, it'll ultimately show up as, as license fee revenue um, and and really come in at, at kind of a pure margin. Um, once installed, those uh, real time networks really do not have any incremental fulfillment cost with them. But ultimately, when that volume does come, uh, it'll come through as, as license revenue. I would say that we don't necessarily anticipate, say, a tipping point in critical mass, uh, say over the next, you know, over the rest of this year. Or at least we're not expecting it, but obviously monitoring it in, in many markets throughout the world. Yeah, Kyle, just, just to, to complement, we have a strong pipeline. The uh, our lights, uh, our um, agreement uh, with uh, with Mastercard con- continue to evolve after the win in Peru. Uh, so we are very positive about real-time payments. 
Got it. That that's helpful. Um, and then I guess just um, if you could, could guys could provide an update. I know um, you guys have been looking at you know potential M and A opportunities or um, kind of evaluating whether there's any businesses that might make sense to kind of prune off um, to kind of better position you guys for long term growth. Um, is there any update on either of those initiatives right now? Uh, it's a continuous uh, exercise, uh, Kyle. It's part of our third pillar, right? Uh, step change value creation through M&A, and it includes divestures and investments. Uh, so we are always uh, considering those and uh, and more to come during the year. Right? All right. Great. Thanks, guys. Your next question comes from the line of Peter Heckman from Davidson. Your line is open. Good morning, everyone. I had a few questions. Uh, number one, just on the new uh, reporting methodology uh, for the three vertical industry segments, do you anticipate reporting those on both uh, uh, kind of a license versus subscription basis um, to, to help the analysis, or, or is it just going to be one number that includes everything? Uh, yeah, we'll we'll disclose it on a on a, a by a fee type. Okay, okay, great. And 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 do you anticipate putting out an 8K or something with with the historical numbers for for these new breakdowns? Uh, yeah, we will. Pete. Okay, great. And then just you know, in Biller, uh, you know, looking at it, you know, X interchange looks like revenue is down about three percent year over year. I just wanted to see if there were some. You know, other factors, uh, you know, potentially maybe tougher comps uh, with the pandemic. Uh, but, but you know, what, what's your best guess in terms of, of, of when we can see billers start to move into the positive mid-single-digit growth range? I'm, I, I'm, I'm high, high, Pete. I'm, I'm very positive about billers. Um, uh, what happened is we saw, you know, a volume um, upside by the end of the quarter uh, with the stimulus checks. Uh, and uh, that continues. Uh, so I'm very positive about that. And, and soon enough, I think we're going to see uh, billers going to the, the positive, uh, to the positive side. Right? Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I'll get Pete, that. maybe. Yeah, maybe I, you know, just to add to that, I think that's where if we look at our Q1 overachievement uh, versus what we are expecting when we went out with uh, Q1 guidance, that's really where we saw um, uh, the uptick. Uh, is uh, pleasantly surprised with the uptick in transaction volumes that came in the biller segment uh, late in uh, late in March. Um, and so that, uh, you know, and that biller business is all U.S.-based, so not sure if that uptick was, uh, you know, from stimulus, if it was from just the uh, increase in economic activity, uh, but obviously, kind of that, uh, the results for Q1 and the, um, and what, and what that means for the rest of the year, I think that ultimately gives us, you know, more certainty and more confidence, uh, about the recovery and about our outlook for the year. Got it. Got it. Okay. I'll get back in the queue for now. Thanks. Again, if you would like to ask questions, please press star 1 on your telephone. Your next question comes from the line of George Sutton from Craig's Hollum. Your line is open. Hey, guys. This is James on for George. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, can you give any incremental color uh, on the progress you've made in converting licensed customers to more of a subscription model or just sort of how those conversations are progressing? Uh, 
yeah, again, you know, we're, this will be the first year that we introduce um, that uh, new construct. And so far, we haven't had any of those conversions. Most of the renewal uh, business, and, and that's really where it's targeting uh, the renewal book, uh, is in the second half of the year. And we'll also target net new customers um, that we are in conversations with um, at deals that we expect to close even as early as Q2. Uh, so right now we're, we're, we're in conversation with both existing and new customers, but a lot of the renewal business sits out in the second half of the year. Yeah, I think um, if you look at the pipeline again, we see more deals, uh, you know, that, that prefer subscription than, than one-time license. So that is a trend that we are seeing and we are managing in some way that we can, uh, you know, keep our guidance and, and, and keep growing this company while we make that conversion. That is our commitment, right? Great to hear. And then uh, in terms of some of the international growth markets you've mentioned, sort of trying to put more boots on the ground there, uh, are you at a level where you think you need to be at in terms of adding reps in those those markets, or sort of what are you seeing in terms of productivity of those reps so far? Uh, James, that, that's a great question. Um, uh, I just had a meeting last week, and uh, we were talking about that with the teams. The, the place that I'm not going to save money is boots on the ground. So I'm going to find the money in the company in any place that we can. So if I need to continue doubling the sales force, I will, without impacting the, um, the, the bottom line. I see tremendous opportunity to further increase the sales force in Asia, Pacific, for example, and in Latin America. And I think that the uh, efficiency of those uh, increases will be, uh, will, be, will, be, will be very high and, and, and will pay back very fast. So we continue to invest. We will continue to invest without affecting the bottom line. Great. Uh, one more for me, if I could, then I'll hop back in the queue. It's good to see the 22% growth in the merchant segment. Uh, do you think that's a sustainable growth rate going forward, and is there anything you're doing strategically that could possibly cause that to accelerate? Uh, well, yeah, we've got a number of initiatives we're working to uh, accelerate. I'd say, um, you know, that's obviously been the bright spot uh, going back into the uh, into the pandemic. Uh, obviously, it's continued here in Q1, and we don't see it uh, slowing down. But, yeah, there's a, a number of initiatives going back to uh, last year when we kind of did our zero-base uh, planning process to really, you know, take dollars from lower growth uh, parts of our portfolio and reinvest um, this was uh, the e-commerce merchant, Omnicommerce uh, was an area that we're reinvesting in. So uh, we, we uh, expect that to pay dividends. I, I think to, just to add to that, I would be fair to say, Scott, that uh, also we have some um, more savings planned for next year, right? Correct. Oh, yeah. Looking back at just the savings, that goes back to the, the growth in EBITDA year over year, the growth in uh, cash flow uh, year over year. Really, a lot of the, the work we did last year in terms of, you know, uh, restructuring the cost base um, really sets us up well as we exit the pandemic and we can layer on that incremental revenue on top of that cost base. But, you know, we said going into this year, we had about $60 million of cost savings. Those, uh, those actions were affected early in the year. Uh, there's an incremental, there's certain initiatives that will uh, roll off this year and will get a, an incremental full year run rate benefit next year of an additional $15 million. So we'll either redeploy that in investing in areas such as e-commerce or um, in, into the sales force in emerging markets, or that'll drop to profitability. But those initiatives are all still uh, still on track. Great. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> 
Your next question is from the line of Peter Heckman from Davidson. Your line is open. Hey, just a couple of follow-ups. So uh, on the new uh, ARR uh, metric, that, that won't include renewals, um, but do you anticipate providing a more regular update, like on retention, uh, to give us a, a feel for kind of net net new business? Yeah, we can if there's any uh, you know significant changes in in retention rates. Uh, but I will say on that metric, it's it's really a subcomponent of what was previously our new bookings. Um, but it's just focused on the recurring revenue. And so if you look out and say, you know, when would this annual recurring revenue expect to, you know, when when would we expect it to start to show up in the P&L? You know, our products can go from anywhere to, you know, six-month implementation uh, to an 18-month, depending on whether it's, you know, cloud-deployed, on-premise. So, you know, you could probably look at, on average, uh, start to see a run rate of that into our recurring revenue in, in probably 12 months or so depending, again, on the mix. Got it, got it. Okay, and then um, any thoughts on the ongoing process of uh, the Federal Reserve here in the U.S. Uh, looking to uh, build their own platform uh, for, for FedNow for real-time payments? Uh, uh, can you talk a little bit about how, how ACI uh, is working with the Fed on that? Yeah, no, we are very involved, Pete. Uh, thank you for the question. We are very involved. We are very involved all around the globe in every and each real-time payment initiative, and, and the United States is no different. As you know, I mean, the United States is lagging behind uh, the rest of the other markets uh, around the globe, or the main markets like India, Malaysia, UK, uh, even Brazil now. So, uh, but we, we are very positive about that. We are, we are working very close to, to the Fed about that, on the Fed Now initiative. We have even uh, people from our company sitting on the board of the initiative today, uh, and, and, and we are very, very part of it. So we, our plan is to be, be very, very engaged. Okay, great. We'll look forward to, uh, to additional uh, commentary there. I mean, is that something that, that, that appears that, that it's on relative track for, for uh, late 2023, early 2024 type rollout? Uh, it is. It is. I think, uh, look, real-time payments is ir- irreversible, right? I mean, th- this, is, this is something that come, that's where – that's the rail that's going to be growing. I grew like uh, more than 45% next year. So you, you can expect the real-time payments growing around the globe, you know, 40-plus for the next years. And, again, the United States is no different. The United States understands that. You have already initiatives like Cell, uh, but I think more um, – the uh, United States is taking more time, as I said, than, than the rest of the countries. But when it comes, it will come really strong. So I'm, I'm very positive about that. I, I think we're going to see a revolution in real-time payments in the next five years in the United States. Got it. Got it. All right. Thanks much. Sure. And again, if you have any questions, please press star 1 on your telephone. There are no further questions at this time. Speakers, you may proceed. Well, thank you, everybody, for dialing in and and being interested in ACI. We look forward to catching up in the coming weeks. Have a good day. And this concludes today's conference call. Thank you all for participating. You may now disconnect.